Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. What an incredible story. And you see, as we talk about our building campaign here at Cornerstone, that's what we're building for. That's what we're making room for. We're, we're not doing it because we want a nice, new, shiny building. We're not doing it because uh, we want, you know, something that's good to look at. We're doing it for people. We're doing it to facilitate life change like Tim has experienced. And so that's what has me so excited as we inch closer and closer to our Here and Now Building campaign, becoming uh, less concept and more concrete. It's exciting days here at Cornerstone, isn't it? It's exciting, exciting days. And I'm excited for today. Um, If you would, we're going to get ready to read scripture. I'm going to ask if you're on site with us, if you would, let's stand together uh, just in the honor of the reading of God's word. We're going to be reading from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 9. This is what God says to us in his word. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Father God, we come before you today and we are awestruck at the fact that you have called us. You've called our names, each one of us, out of the darkness and into your wonderful light. And God, you didn't stop there. Now you want us to help reach others who are still in darkness, reach others who are still far from you, and invite them to come into this new life, this relationship that you offer. God, what a privilege that is. What an honor that is. Help us through the power of your spirit to become the people you created us to be, people who reflect your goodness out into the world, who speak Jesus into every situation we find ourselves in, and help people find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. We love you, Lord. We pray all this in your name, and everybody said together, amen. Amen. You guys can grab a seat. So good to have everybody with us. Uh, man, one, one thing, we're uh, uh, facing a, a pretty crazy situation in the world right now, aren't we? What's going on in uh, Ukraine with the Ukrainians and the Russians? Uh, honestly, if, I, if I'm being real, I almost scrapped my sermon for this week uh, just to talk about what's going on in the world because it's that big of a deal. I know I'm on Twitter a lot, and just about any time there's any international skirmish, uh, no matter how small it is, World War III starts to trend, right? People will, will cause that to trend over the smallest things. This is the first thing that's actually happened, though, that's legitimately big, that's legitimately uh, uh, earth, like, um, earth-shaking and, and worldwide consequences could come into play here. So this is a very scary thing, and we as Christians need to be praying 
about this. We need to be petitioning God about this, asking that his will would be done, that he would give wisdom and courage to all the leaders involved, that they would do what they need to do, because this is scary. It's a scary situation. Uh, but what's amazing is how this situation is exposing some things, isn't it? One, one thing that's being exposed in a good way is the Ukrainian president, Zelensky. Uh, if you've been following this at all, man, what an inspiring, encouraging, courageous man he is. This is a guy who, whenever he came into power, um, I don't know if you know this, he came into power in the Ukraine. He was a comedian. He was on a TV show called Servant of the People about just an, a random Joe becoming the president of Ukraine. And here, crazy enough, he started his own campaign and became the president of Ukraine. So now this man who, who was known for being a comedian, it would be like Jon Stewart becoming the president of the United States and leading us during wartime. And now this man is showing himself to be courageous. He's refused multiple attempts to get him out of the country. He's deciding, no, I want to stay with my people. I want to stay with my family, with my countrymen, with my friends. I want to see this thing through and stay here and lead them. And it's incredible because the whole world is just flabbergasted at this. We see this in people from all different backgrounds, cultures, creeds are seeing what he's doing and saying, this is remarkable. This is remarkable. And what's so cool is when we see what he's doing, now I don't know if President Zelensky is a Christian or not. I don't, I don't know about that, uh, where his faith is at. But what I see from him is he's modeling what Jesus calls his followers to do in John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, that they would lay down their life for their friends. And that's what we're seeing happen in the Ukraine right now. And it is captivating the world. And so I want to just encourage us, all of us who call ourselves Christians, all of us who call ourselves believers, when we truly live out what it means to follow Jesus, the self-sacrificial love that Jesus shows, when we live that out in our life, the world takes notice. The world takes notice. They see that and they can't understand it because it is so otherworldly. It's so different than everything else that we see here. So again, in this situation, we need to be praying. We need to be uh, uh, asking God for his will to be done in the situation, giving the leaders wisdom and courage. But I decided to stay with the sermon that I had prepared this week. And actually, what's going on in the world provides a perfect segue to what we're going to be talking about today. If you've been watching any of the news coverage, you've noticed a recurring theme. No one is talking about damage done to infrastructure. Have you noticed that? Has anybody been watching the news, news coverage? Anybody? Yeah, a few people online, anybody? No one's talking about the infrastructure damage. No one's breathlessly talking about, oh man, how long is it going to take for us to rebuild the roads here? Oh, what's, how long is it going to take for us to rebuild the city center? No one's talking about that. You want to know what they're talking about? People. People. And they're talking about buildings. We're talking about people. In fact, there was a man uh, in the Ukrainian military. I believe he was a Marine in the Ukrainian military. I'm not even going to attempt to say his last name. <laughs> his first name was Vitaly. Uh, he was a member of the Ukrainian uh, military. He blew up a bridge. He stayed behind, sacrificed his life, blew up a bridge to uh, uh, keep it from being used for Russian advance into the city of Kiev. Stayed and sacrificed himself. Let me tell you, no one's talking about the cost to rebuild that bridge. How stupid would that be? No one's talking about plans and how that's going to disrupt traffic for years to come. Everyone's talking about Vitali and the sacrifice he made and the family he leaves behind and the heroic courage 
that it took for him to do this, to try to buy more time, to try to save more people. Because what happens when moments like this are thrust upon us, we suddenly remember what really matters. People. You want to know what was trending on Twitter prior to the Russian invasion of Ukraine? You want to know the, the main things? We were talking about Joe Rogan and Spotify, right? That was, that was all the rage there for a few weeks, talking about Joe Rogan. We were talking about truckers in Canada and maybe truckers in the United States. We were, we were talking about, ooh, LeBron James is kind of sitting, sending some signals to the Cavs. He's kind of flirting with us again. Is he going to come back for, for a third stint with Cleveland? That's what everyone was talking about. Those were your top trends on Twitter, but not anymore. Because in moments like this, we are all reminded what truly matters and what truly matters are people. If you're taking notes today, today's sermon title is People Not a Place. People Not a Place. Did you know uh, the Here and Now campaign, our building campaign that we started here at Cornerstone that we've been talking about during this series, our Here and Now campaign, it is not being built with a building in mind. It's not. We are building for a you, not for a view, (laughs) Right? Are, are you following me? We're, we're not building so we have a nice view. So every Sunday we can pull in and go, oh, look at the church I go to. <laughs> look at how picture-worthy it is. Look at how Instagram-worthy it is. I want to post this on my social media. That's not why we're building. We're not building for a, a, for a view. We're building for a you. We're building for people. We're building for, for people that we want to make room for, that we want to invite into the family of God. We are building for a you, not for a you. Back whenever we revealed our uh, uh, building plans in October this last year, uh, uh, we had the big reveal, right? And I was like, hey, here's what it's going to look like. Boom. And then we showed it up there and we all freaked out and we popped off those confetti cannons and gave about three people heart attacks in the auditorium because they were so loud. Uh, I almost did it, but I didn't want it to be like too cheesy and people be like, oh, this is kind of corny. So we didn't do it. But I was thinking for a period of time, I was like, you know what would be kind of cool? I didn't say this to anybody. I was thinking in my head, I was like, you know what would be kind of cool is if instead of whenever we did the reveal and we're like, this is what we're building for, Cornerstone, boom, rather than showing the building, if we showed different people in our congregation or people in the Akron area, just, just people. But I thought it'd be too cheesy. I thought people would be like, oh, this is kind of corny. <laughs> we, oh, we're building for people. But that's the fact. We are building for people. We're building for people. We're not building so we have this beautiful church facility to look at. We're not building for that. The why is so much greater. We are building for people. Again, this is what it said in 1 Peter 2, verse 5. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. God is building his church, and his church is a house not made with human hands. He is building a spiritual people. He is building his church us. He's conforming our hearts. He's sanctifying us. He's turning us more into Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. That is what God is up to. So why we are building is we are trying to partner with God in what he is doing, building people. We're not building for a building. The why matters. If you were with us week one of the series, we talked about that, that the why matters. We're not building so we can have an Instagram-worthy church. Why we're building, if, if I can articulate this way, We are building so that we will have a church that no one ever outgrows. Whenever people ask me, like, what's what's really the vision? If if you had to really kind of sell me, what's the the elevator pitch on why Cornerstone is building a new building? That's what I tell people. I never want anyone to outgrow Cornerstone. If you leave because you move, if you leave because uh, you just connect better in another church, hey, 
good luck, Godspeed, we're praying for you because this is not a competition, right? The kingdom of God is, is pipelines, not puddles. We, we, we don't try to collect people and be like, no, they're ours, my precious. Like, don't, don't come near them. Like, that's not, that's not how things work around here. But if you leave, that's why I want people to leave. I don't want it to be, well, you know, I feel like we just kind of outgrew Cornerstone, right? Like, our kids can't really connect because the kids' space and, you know, the, you know, not a lot of room. And so we just, we felt like we had to go somewhere else. I never want that to be the case. I never want to hear anybody leave for that reason, ever. It makes me think of uh, years ago, the Cleveland, uh, they're the Guardians now, we're the Indians. They had a player on their team, Victor Martinez. I love Victor. V-Mart, man, he was the man. He was so good. Uh, he was a catcher. Became a designated hitter, and he started with the Indians whenever he, like, first started playing ball. He, we, we drafted him. He came up from uh, uh, college, played single A with the Indians, played double A, triple A, then played with the Major League Club for years. Uh, but we got to a point where we changed ownership from the Jacobs family to the Dolan family, and we were cutting payroll, which I can't, I can't talk about too much. It's only going to make me mad, talking about us changing our ownership and the Indians suddenly becoming this cheap cheap baseball team and losing all of our good players. And that's exactly what happened. Because we changed ownerships, uh, we were looking to dump salary. And Victor was one of our best players. We were going to get ready to rebuild because we couldn't afford these guys anymore. And so we traded him. We traded him to the Boston Red Sox. Now, normally you would think that's incredible if you're Victor Martinez. Hey, going to Boston. They've got plenty of money. It's a nice team that's been around for years, a lot of history there. I'm going to be able to compete for a championship immediately. Like, you would think it's great things, but you want to know what happened when Victor was notified. He was notified in the clubhouse, in the locker room. He started crying. Started crying. Not like little tears. He was weeping because this family that he had made, that he had spent all this time with, that he had grown up with, this DNA and this culture from the Cleveland Indians organization that he loved so much, he was having to leave it because he had outgrown the Indians. We weren't able to afford him anymore, weren't able to accommodate him anymore, and so he was gone. He didn't want to leave. I never want that to be the case here at Cornerstone. I never want us to feel like we're a, we're a minor league team, and once people hit a certain point, they're like, man, we really loved it here, we love the DNA at Cornerstone, but we, we gotta go. I never want that to be the case because let me tell you, there is something unique happening here. I don't need to tell you that. You know it. If you've been here more than once, you know there is something special about Cornerstone Church. The way that the kingdom of God is expressed through our church is so unique, you just don't see it a lot of places. It's special. And I never want someone to have to walk away from that because they've outgrown us. We need a new facility. We need a new facility. We are building for people. We are building for a you, not for a view. Now, that doesn't mean, now, now hear what, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying, okay, people are the only thing that matter, just people, people, people. So as long as, as, long as we, any kind of building up there, it's fine. Just welcome more people in, welcome more. That's not what I'm saying, okay? Buildings do matter. People are the ultimate. People are what God came and lived and died for. But buildings do matter, we wouldn't have bought this facility if they didn't. We would have just found a place to record or to broadcast our services and stayed online like we were doing, right? Buildings do matter. Resources do matter. Have you ever noticed the person who says resources don't matter is a person with resources? You know, <laughs> right? Isn't that true? Not just with resources, but in every area of life. The person, oh, why are you in such a rush to get married? Don't, don't rush to get married. When did I get married? Well, I was 18, but that's besides the point. You don't need to rush, right? That's, 
Well, you did. <laughs> That's kind of how things seem to go in life. The people with resources tell the people who don't have them, don't worry about it. You just, just don't even worry. It's not a big deal. Yeah, I know we're sitting in our 50,000 square foot brand new building, but it's not a big deal. It gives us, it doesn't really help us that much, right? No, resources matter. Resources matter. They, they matter to us. People who say that they don't matter are the people who have them. I know whenever me and Jessica moved up to Cleveland and we were getting ready to start our church, we reached out to a few other churches just asking advice, asking help, like, hey, what did you do? How did, how did you do things? And there were a few churches that we knew a little bit about their background, so we reached out to them, and they gave us great help. But there was one thing that kind of made me laugh after I got off the phone, and it reminded me of, of what we're talking about. Because um, I asked this one church, I was like, hey, how, do you, how did you do like a demographics study to kind of figure out the best place within your city to try to locate? Because we know where we want to be. We, we've got our city, but we just don't know like where is best. And the guy was like, oh, don't, don't worry about demographics. The, don't even worry about that. Just pray about it. Just pray about it. And we're like, okay, okay. And after I got off the phone, I'm, I was saying to Jessica, I'm like, you know, the only reason I even asked him that was because from that church's website, whenever we learned about them, how, when they started a church, that's exactly what they did. Like they said, so the first thing we did, we prayed, found our city, and then boom, we instantly did a demographic study. <laughs> and so that's why it felt confusing because we're like, well, they did it. And so we're trying to do it, but now they say it doesn't matter. And that's kind of how things go. That's kind of how things go. It's very easy whenever you have resources, whenever you're already there, to feel like that thing that used to matter to you, suddenly you just kind of take it for granted, right? We can't take it for granted. Resources do matter. I'm not speaking down about resources today. We just read, again, from 1 Peter chapter 2. I want to read this set of verses one more time and then explain what they mean. Um, in verse 6, Peter says, in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And all of this Peter is saying in light of the fact that he's saying God is building a spiritual house. So when we hear that, and we hear that God's building a spiritual house and what other people wanted is being rejected because God's building the spiritual house built on Jesus, we can hear that and think that that means, yeah, spiritual house, spiritual, spiritual. That's all that matters. The physical resources, facilities, oh, who cares about those? That's not what Peter is saying in this set of verses. What Peter is trying to say, his main audience here is Jewish people, Jewish people who in their background they saw the presence of God as residing in the temple. The temple in Jerusalem, that's where God lives. That's why we go there to praise him. That's why we go there to make sacrifices, to atone for sin. That's why we go to the temple, because God's presence literally dwells in the temple. But when Jesus came, he completely upended that and said, hey, that's not the temple anymore. I'm the temple. I am the temple. God, in his power and his presence, is living in me. And because of what I'm going to do, and the spirit that's going to come, the, the new temple is going to be in you. God's presence is going to live and dwell in you. And so that's what Peter is addressing here. He's, he's taking down the idea that God's presence resides in a temple anymore. So let's not read into the text what the text does not say. Peter is not saying that facilities don't matter. He's not saying, oh, God's just building a spiritual house. Don't worry about resources. Resources matter. They matter to Peter. They mattered to Paul. They mattered to the first century church. Do you know the whole reason we are sitting here, the whole reason you're watching online today is because the early church, the first century church, had people with resources who used those resources to further the kingdom. That's why we're here. 
Because people who put their faith in God said, hey, I know we need a place to meet. We can meet at my house. I will offer up the resource of my house as a place for the local church to meet. I know Paul's getting ready to go on this missionary trip and he needs money. He needs financing. He needs supplies. I, because I'm a business person, I will help. I will finance him in this trip. Resources absolutely 100% matter. They do. So we find ourselves in this kind of weird tension, don't we? We find ourselves in this weird tension where a building really matters, resources really matter, but people matter more. They can never be, the, you know, buildings and facilities are nice, but they can never be the reason in and of themselves for why we build. It always has to be people, and that's because our legacy, I want you guys to hear this, this is so important, our legacy is not the project that we build, but the people we become. That's the legacy that Cornerstone Church will leave. Whether we want it, to, and this is what I'll say, whether we want it to be or not, that's what people will remember about us. Not that we have this beautiful new church building on Arlington. It isn't so nice, makes the area look so good. That's not what people will remember about us. Not the project we build, but the people that we become. We talked about this on Vision Sunday this year. It's what Peter says in the last verse that we read today. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Peter is talking about the people that we become because of what God has done in our lives. Who are we becoming? That's what matters. That's the aim. That's the legacy that we leave. So I want to ask, who are we becoming? What kind of people are we becoming? Not just collectively as a church body, individually as people, who are we becoming? Are we looking more like Jesus or not? Are we sounding more like Jesus or not? Are we giving of ourselves like Jesus or not? Are we kind like Jesus or not? Are we sacrificial like Jesus or not? Because that is our legacy. More than anything else you do in life, your legacy is the person you are becoming. I pray that Cornerstone's legacy, I pray that people don't remember us as that beautiful building on Arlington Road, but that people remember, you know what? When I encountered that church, I became a different person. Not, oh, yeah, man, it was so cool. The inside was beautiful and they had this gym and everything. No, I want people to come and say, you know what? I remember I became more like Jesus by interacting with Cornerstone Church. I found the father there. I found a family there. I found a fulfilling future there. That's what I want our legacy to be. That's the mark I want us to leave in our community, that we helped people become who God made them to be. We're seeing this truth play out right before our very eyes. I know I already mentioned it, President Zelensky, he is leaving a legacy right now. There, there are some people saying he, he finished a phone call with European Union leaders the other night, and as he was signing off, he said, guys, this might be the last time you see me alive. He's refusing to leave the country. He's staying beside his people. He's fighting until the very end. And let me tell you, by the end of this, whenever this resolves, whether it's in a day or a month or a year, who, who knows whether he lives through this conflict or not, because that's very debatable. It's up in the air. But he is leaving a legacy right now, and it's not his infrastructure bills. <laughs> it's not his stance on social issues. People aren't going to remember him and go, man, wasn't his economic policy just, hmm. No. 
They're remembering the leader he is becoming in this very moment. They're remembering the qualities that he displayed. That's the legacy that he is leaving, the person he's becoming, not the projects that he built. Think about it in our own history. Sure, there's, there's some monumental moments in our history, like Abraham Lincoln with the Emancipation Proclamation. But generally speaking, the vast majority of our leaders, what we remember about them is not what they built or their policies, but who they were the kind of person they were, the kind of character they had. That's what we remember about them, and the same is true of us. I I have on my phone, uh, in my notes app, I I, I keep my journal in there, and I also just write a bunch of different kind of random notes. And I wrote uh, in my notes journal, like maybe two days after my dad had passed away, I started keeping a note called Things About My Dad. And I just started recording everything I could think of about my dad in there. Um, just like stupid stuff, too. <laughs> like whenever I was in elementary school, whenever he would drop me off in the mornings, every single morning without fail, every single morning as I'm getting out, he'd say, hey, hey, don't pick your nose. <laughs> and I would always respond, don't pick your butt, right? And if you know my dad, <laughs> if you know my dad, even though we had said this literal thousands of times, Every single time I would tell him, don't pick your butt, he would always just, what? Like, act like it's the first time he heard it, right? So I wrote that down in there, because that's just a, 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 just a stupid little thing, but it was so fun, and I want to I remember that. Um, I, I remember another thing that he would do is uh, he, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll just tell you a specific instance. So the first time that Jessica and, uh, uh, was going out with my family, we were just dating at the time. First time we were going out, we are going to a restaurant to eat somewhere in Canton, um, and we're getting ready to turn onto 77 by Vanderveer on Arlington Road. So we're getting ready to turn. We're in the turn lane waiting at the light. And we're carpooling because the whole family's going. We've got a big family. So my dad and mom are, are, are pulling up there behind us and, uh, you know, brother and sister in another car. And as we're sitting at the red light, all of a sudden in the car, you just feel, boom. Like we move forward. Jessica's like, oh, my gosh, I think we got in an accident. And looks behind it's my dad, and he's dying laughing. He's just <laughs> cracking up. Can't hear him laughing, but you just see him just cracking himself up. And that's just something he would do. He would come up behind your car real slow and just use the axle speed of the car so it wouldn't damage the car or anything to just kind of bump your bumper. It scared the tar out of her. He thought it was the funniest thing in the world. He probably was laughing the entire drive there because when we got out of the car, he was still laughing, right? Just thinking he's the funniest person in the world. And it's things like that that I want to remember. I don't want to forget those things about my dad. But guess what's not in my note? Who he was. Who he was. You won't find a single line in my note about his integrity, about his character, about his love for me and my brother and my sister and my mom, his love for Jesus. You won't see anything in that note because I don't have to write it down. I couldn't forget that if I wanted to. Because the person he became is what he was known by. All the stuff he did, no matter how great it is, I have to write it down. I don't want to forget it. And I will forget it because that's not really what matters. What matters is who he was, and I can't forget it. And the same is true of me, and the same is true of you. The person you become is the legacy that you leave, not the projects you build, not the career that you build at work. Those are all great, noble things, but those are not your legacy. The legacy is the person that you are becoming. So who are we becoming? That's God's priority. 
That's what God cares about. That's what he prioritizes, the people that we become. And so what I pray is I pray that the lessons that we are learning right now, we do not forget when we're on the other side of this building project. I pray that once we have the building, that this isn't just something we tell ourselves now because we don't have a building. Well, you know, buildings don't really matter. It's the person that you are that matters. And then once we have the building, we're like, oh, look at us with our brand new building. Like, I'm hoping we don't forget the lessons that we've learned about God's faithfulness, about what truly matters, about what truly should be prioritized. So when we're on the other side of this, we can still say, yes, this building is beautiful, but it's not what matters and it's not the why. The why is people, the people that we welcome and the people that we become. And because that's true, because people are the most important things, then it means this is true. The success of our project, the success of our project doesn't determine the faithfulness of our people. The success of our project doesn't determine the faithfulness of our people. Because again, our our legacy isn't about the projects we build. It's about the people that we're becoming. So as we look and as we trust and as we rely on God to see this project through to its completion, to get this brand new building built, we need to remember that, you know what, the success of this building project It doesn't speak one way or the other, though, about how faithful we are and about how much God loves us or favors us, because that is not the case. I'm going to ask us to turn to Scripture one more time. This is going to be from the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. Listen to what the Apostle Paul writes. He says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and he seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. You notice how many times the Apostle Paul said grace in just that short section of verses? Paul is constantly reminding us that everything good in our lives is strictly because of the grace of God. Our, our chance at new life in Jesus Christ, grace of God, the incomparable riches that can follow and can flow out of that once we find saving faith in Jesus, everything good to follow after that, even that isn't because you were so good, you were so great, God smiled on you so much and not so much other people. No, it's all due. It is all due to the grace of God. Nothing where we can boast of on ourselves or claim for ourselves. Now what this means, (laughs) what this means is that the faithfulness of us as a people is not determined on whether or not we fulfill this project. It's just not. That's one of the things I've heard from, um, you know, bigger churches, and I totally get the heart behind it. I totally get the heart behind it. But whenever, you know, they'll, they'll talk about the massive facility and they'll say, hey, it's just God's favor. It's just the favor of God, nothing else. I get the heart behind that, and I applaud it because what they're saying is, hey, this is because of God. This is because of God that we're able to do this. And I applaud that. But one of the unintended messages that can come from that is if you have God's favor on your life, this is what happens. And if it doesn't happen, maybe you need to pray a little more. 
Are you fasting? Is your church tithing? Because I don't know. It kind of sounds like Job's friends. How have you angered God that things aren't going well for you right now? How have you not been faithful enough that God isn't delivering for you? Because if you have God's favor, this is what it looks like. That is not true. That is not true. God's faithfulness does not depend on how good our circumstances look. Do you, do you think that there are no Bible-believing God-honoring people in the Ukraine right now? Of course there are. There are people who love, who give, who, who, who sacrifice, who pray, and right now they are hiding in a subway station as their country is shelled with mortar. Do you think God doesn't have favor on them? That they weren't praying hard enough? God didn't love them enough for them to be born in the United States? Of course not. Of course not. The success of our project, the success of our lives does not determine the faithfulness that we have. It just doesn't. That's true in your own life. There are some people who you are trusting God with your finances. You are tithing. You're budgeting. You're doing everything you can. And every single month that comes, you still seem to be coming up short. And that's not because you aren't trusting God enough. Well, are you praying enough? Having enough faith? You're having issues at your job even though you're trying to honor God as closely as you can in the way that you work and still you're gonna get let go because of finances in the company. There's nothing you could do to change that. That is not an indication of your faithfulness. Jesus' own disciples, Jesus' own disciples, 11 of the 12 were killed for their faith. Killed, martyred, they they were beheaded, they were fed to wild animals. Some of them, some of them were strung to a pole covered in oil, and set on fire while they were alive. Who in the world are we to look at that and go, well, you know, just not in God's favor? (laughs) Because favor looks like success. Favor looks like a big building. This is what it means to have God's favor. That is not what it means, and we cannot get on the other side of this building project and think that's what it means. The lessons we're learning right now are the lessons we need to hold on to and remember even when we have our new Building. It is not a determination, doesn't speak to the faithfulness of our people or of our church. Some of the most faithful people you know are going through hardships. In fact, I would wager there's only one way, there's only one way to truly know if you have God's favor on your life. For you to know that, you know what, as we do something, we can confidently 100% say we know God's favor is on us as we do that. And this is what it is by being up to what God is up to. If we want to have favor as a church, if we want to know God's favor, we can't count on whether or not our building project comes through and go, yep, that was it. God's favor shown on us then. No, the way we can know with confidence beyond a shadow of a doubt that God's favor is with us is if we are up to what he is up to in the world. So let's look around. Let's see what is God doing? What is God up to? Where is he working? I'll tell you where he's working. He is working on making people become more like Jesus. We see in scripture where God is working, where we can join him in this process. I said Saturday night, and then I said it again this morning, in in one of the biblical books that starts with an M, I couldn't remember which one it was last night, and I was like, man, that's, that's not a good look for the lead pastor to be like, you know, it's one of the... It's one of the M books in the Bible. <laughs> but in Scripture, in Scripture, we are told that what is the faith that God finds acceptable? And it's the faith that cares for the widow. 
Faith that cares for the orphan, for the orphan, for those who are brokenhearted, for those who are oppressed. It's what Jesus talks about in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Blessed are those who are brokenhearted. That's where God's at. That's what God's doing in the world. So if we want his favor, we need to be up to what he is up to. And that means giving hope to the hopeless. That means being with the marginalized and the oppressed and the poor and the broken and the downcast. That's what we need to be up to. If we want to know that we have God's favor on us as a church, that's what we will do. We will be up to what God is up to in the world. That's how we know he's smiling on us. That's how we know we have his favor, by joining with him in what he's doing. If you were with us a few weeks ago, Monty Trask, the president of construction team management, he was with us, uh, shared a little bit about our building project that he's overseeing. Uh, One of the things he talked about was his own personal faith. And how whenever he came to Jesus, uh, he, he didn't grow up in the church. He didn't go to church. Uh, his whole interest in the church was due to his interest in his wife before they met, right? Saw a cute girl, started to get interested in her, realized she went to church. And guess who suddenly started caring about church? Monty did, right? Because what he realized is, you know what? If I want her favor, if I want her favor, I need to be up to what she's up to. She cares about church. She cares about her relationship with Jesus. If I want her favor, I want her to be in relationship with me, I need to be up to what she's up to. The same is true with God. He wants us to be up to what he is up to. He wants us to care about the things that he cares about. He wants our heart to be broken over the same thing that breaks his heart. We have got to be up to what God is up to in the world. I'm gonna ask the worship team if they would come back up on stage. As they do, I wanna read One verse that we looked at one more time. This is Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You and I are God's handiwork, and we were made to work. We were made to be up to what God's up to in the world. We were made to work and to partner with him. We were made to be up to what he's up to. And what he is up to is building his church. And it's not a place, it's people. God is building his church. He's building people. He is building a house not made with human hands. He is molding and sanctifying people to be more like Jesus. And we get to be a part of it. In fact, we are commissioned to be a part of it. We are commissioned to reflect the goodness and the love of Jesus out into our world. So let's get to it. Let's be up to what God is up to, building people, not a place, and building it right here and right now. In these next moments, the worship team is going to be leading us, and as they do, I want to challenge you to do two things. First off, I want to challenge you to think of your own life and think how you can more model, how you can more become the person that God wants you to be, and not in some distant, far-off future, but right here and right now. What are the first steps you can do to become, to speak, to act more like Jesus Christ. And then on top of that, what I want you to think of is who in your life needs to see that from you? Who in your life does not have a relationship with Jesus and they need you to be the one? They need you to be the one who models it, who loves like him, who sacrifices like him, who is kind like him. Who is that person? Think on that because I'll tell you, that's what God is up to. That's what he's up to in the world building people, not a place. 
And if we want his favor on us as a church and on us as individuals, we better be up to what he's up to in the world. So I'm gonna pray for us and then we'll worship together. Let's bow our heads. Father God, help us through the power of your spirit to be up to what you're up to in the world. Building people, not a place. Becoming people. Becoming the people that you created us to be. People who look and sound and act more like Jesus Christ. Help us to do that, God. Help us to be people who speak Jesus into every situation we find ourselves in. Who speak Jesus into the darkness. Who speak Jesus into situations without hope. Who speak Jesus into situations where it seems like this can never be made right again. Help us to be those people who bring grace and truth into every situation we find ourselves. Help us to be people who build people, who invest in people, who love people. Because God, we know people are what you came to earth for. People are who you lived for. People are who you died for. And people are who you rose again for. That's what you're up to in the world. Help us to be up to it. Speaking Jesus to every situation we find ourselves in. And as we do, we'll be sure to give you and you alone all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.